Hey guys, it is Wednesday, March 24th, and you're tuned into Two and a Half Hoopers, Jared Jeffrey's favorite basketball podcast. I'm George here, joined, not George here, but I'm joined <laughs> here by George Martin. What's up, everybody? We're a little uh, short no, tonight. Yeah, no Josh, there's just two Hoopers here. I said it, two Hoopers. Oh! <laughs> but he's, uh, moving up for we got now, a good huh? show for you guys today. Uh, recap last two days of ball, uh, George's halftime, as always, a lot of trade deadline themed as it's coming up this Thursday. And uh, ended off, we're going to give our thoughts on the multiple headlines Warriors found themselves in this week. We got Draymond arguing with Tony Allen. We got Steve Kerr arguing with KD, even though Steve Kerr doesn't have a Twitter account. KD Sweat switches burner, all that, all that good stuff. KD uh, hasn't been on his burner in a while. I'm just going to say it's only he's his bold. He's account. bold. It's only his personal. Uh, remember, if you like here, make like what you hear, make sure to follow our socials, all at TH Hoopers. Drop a comment anywhere, I'll shout you out for giving support. Uh, Tim Kuhlmeyer and Kuhlwake comments the last post, going back and forth a little bit on that CJ McCollum 32 game. Uh, so at least we got some real hoopers following us. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but appreciate the support guys. Uh, like we said on YouTube, uh, we're uploading every, every, every video now. So we're looking at, you could see George in his dusty hoodie, me and my Baskin Robbins t-shirt. Go Bruins baby sweet 16. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all the, all the boring stuff's out of the way. Let's get to some boring games and then some fun games. Uh, so boring games first, uh, Kings beat the Cavs 119, 105, uh, Thunder beat the T-Wolves 112, 103, uh, Jazz beat the Bulls 120-95, and the Bucks beat the Pacers 140-113 without Giannis. That's your look ahead, buddy. We're not that was gonna, my look ahead. We're not even going to talk about it. That's how bad it was. There, there was no, uh, what was it, Turner or Brogdon? Uh, Turner for sure. I, I thought Brogdon played, but I know Turner was. Um, it was my look ahead, so let me actually take a look at that real quick. I think it was no Turner or Brogdon. Let's see. Come on, you can do it. Yeah, no, no Turner or Brogdon. Uh, Sabonis had 22, and uh, Karis LeVert struggled again. Justin Holiday, one for 10. So, yeah, my oh, look I'm going to be the host here. What did what, what, you take away from this game, if you can squeeze what I take that away? What I took away was my eyes on the TV when I got an alert that said, no Brogdon or Turner or Giannis. I watched a little bit of it, uh, caught, caught a few glimpses because it was my look ahead. That was my homework there. Uh, but I was just looking for Karis LeVert to give him something. He's still kind of struggling there. That's unfortunately um, a theme of this season. Marquee mm-hmm. games getting washed with injuries. It's been pretty unfortunate so far. It's looking like it's not just Karis LeVert. Then he's come back. They need TJ Warren as well as another shot creator they, there. They need all hands on deck. They honestly. need all offensive hands and on need, deck. And more and more at this point. They also can't give up 140 to the Bucks without Giannis. Now, no Miles Turner there. And they he's their, he's their centerpiece on defense. He's top three in uh, defensive player of the year standings, but – yeah, not a good look that game. Not a yeah. good look ahead. Uh, but uh, we did get a fun one. Uh, Hornets may have lost some yellow ball for the year, but they didn't lose to the Spurs. Uh, final 197. Uh, Razier and Hayward both played inefficient, but led the scoring charge for the Hornets, 27 and 24, respectively. And the Hornets also won the assist battle, 27 to 17. Spurs having 17 assists. Very odd. Uh, but were you impressed that the Hornets beat a very solid team in the Spurs without LaMelo? Yeah, definitely. And I guess the biggest thing to also take away from this is even in the absence of LaMelo, they still went to Scary Terry in the clutch, which has kind of been a theme all year. And something they I never I, really went to Melo in the clutch. It's always been Rozier gets the ball in his hand and he, it, he makes plays. Exactly, which I like. He's experienced. He's been battle tested in deep playoff runs, you know, in what, 2018 it was when Kyrie and Hayward went down. So, I mean, it's good to see that they have, like, a, a closer late game. And especially with a young guy like LaMelo, you don't want to put him in that role too quickly, even though he he was playing at a great level but, uh, before he went down. But, yeah, basically the same from the Hornets. Spurs, nothing to really take away here. Your uh, all-star snub, DeMar had a good game. 
but uh yeah nothing much to take that that was the biggest thing for me from the hornets honestly them going to uh to levert or not to, to not to levert to Rozier. Yes, yes oh yeah i mean this was a very uh i mean uh spurs fell behind pretty they're they're 10 points down at halftime and then they kind of crawled back mm-hmm. um it's really what we kind of predicted. I mean, Malik Monk went to that uh, six-man role with Devontae Graham in the starting lineup. Which uh, is what we And then Hayward and Rozier stepped up. And then uh, P.J. Washington, four for 14. Not a great shooting game, but you always get, get good D from him, pause. And uh, played 41 minutes, so. They, know, definitely they, do, they, have a, they definitely have a formidable core there working with Hayward, Rozier, P.J. Washington. I mean, they're really just like a, a key big away. I mean, Zeller's been working for them, but in their future no zeller here also i just they only yeah, played yeah. eight guys <laughs> but, I, but I, he's been their big most of the year so if they can get a younger you know more experienced guy that they can develop with that core i mean they'll be looking solid in a few years i don't know how many years zeller has his contract but i if he does have a few i guarantee it's not a lot of money he works for them i would not think about upgrading the center position i really don't think they need to I, I meant more for as like trying to find a core piece that you can, you know, develop. Oh, with. yeah, because when you're trying to win playoff games, you don't know if Zeller can be that guy. He can be the just, guy now, but. And, you know, it's a relatively young team outside of like Hayward. So, I mean, if you get another young guy that can be there post, you know, once Zeller's gone or something, you know, then you yeah. have a core of LaMelo, PJ, and insert center. Yeah. Uh, moving on. We're going to celebrate a little here. Rockets break their losing streak. Stops at 20 games. Uh, they beat the Raps 117-99. Uh, they lose some stress from Steven Silas for at least one night, which is all you, can, all you can hold for. Kind of got uh, John Wall had an interesting game. He's got a triple-double, uh, kind of Jason Kidd style, 19, and then bare minimum as far as rebounds and assists. Uh, but still triple-double. And he also shot eight for 30, uh, but a win's a win. Green light. Uh, huh. So uh, did you take more away from the Rockets here or the Raps? Because uh, Rockets made their losing streak, but now – this was a big loss for the Raps as far as are they going to be sellers or buyers? At so, yeah, obviously, obviously the headline is Rockets breaking their streak. But I think there's more worry on the Raptors here because the Rockets, we've kind of known, you know, with the injuries they had and the inconsistencies that their season, the writing was already on the wall for them. So you knew they were going to get a win sometime and we'd be overjoyed for them. But for the Raptors, really, I mean, they've just kind of lost like, you know, that defensive integrity that they've had and just that cohesiveness from those playoff runs they've been on and yeah i i agree with you said i I think they're honestly going to be sellers here they i mean they just had like it's been such a tough season for them having to play all their games in tampa getting covid issue twice i believe they had one earlier in the season and then right before all-star break and i just feel like even even before that they've had so many struggles and maybe they just don't see the long-term vision you know with guys aging and them needing to pay people Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think guys like Lowry, who is expiring and he's older, they might want to get assets for and let him go where he wants to since he's getting older. A guy like Norman Powell, who's going to be a free agent and going to command a lot more money that he's currently getting paid. And then you can build around the guys like Malachi Flynn, Bobby Boucher, you know, more minutes for OG. And then the just, young guys you might get from a Lowry trade as exactly, far as more Tyler awesome. Hero or less known Precious Achua, who's also very, very good at that center position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just – and Nurse is a guy who he can coach talent. So even if, you know, you get these younger guys, you're still going to be able to compete, you know, in the East. In the East, yeah. Especially, especially. – you see what the Thunder are doing. Like, they just – 
they win games. They can't, the Thunder literally can't tank. It's embarrassing almost. Like they win, they win like a certain amount of games. Like they just can't tank. Even by, with firing Billy Donovan, they get a new coach in here. Shea drops 35 every game. Like, and like, yeah, look, rebuilding in the East is way easier. Look at Charlotte. You get one yeah. guy, boom. I mean, I know they also brought in Hayward, but a signing, a good drafty, and boom, you're, you're a formidable playoff team. Yeah. So uh, I think we're on the same page here, but I do want to just uh, make it clear. So you're all in on the Raptors kind of like throwing away this season and getting uh, trading their veteran guys because uh, they are only two and a half games out of the 10 spot. And I like get we that. said, that's a week in the East. Like that's a week. I- I know, but they, I mean, they have lost nine in a row, though. They're 17 and 17, 500 ball, 17, 26 now. So, right into the wall, like you said, they're just not trending well. And at this point with Lowry, it's you know, it, you might as well get assets because you know he's he might want to leave. I know he's very loyal to them, but I think he wants one more run. And he's from Philly, he played his college ball there, so he could be linked to that. And at this point, I mean, are you going to keep him until he rides into the sunset? I don't know if that's necessarily smart for winning sake. And we've seen Masai. He'll, he'll, he makes anyone expendable in terms of. He does not have a heart. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I think it's best for them to go that route. Well, as soon as it came out, uh, I don't know if it was a previous statement or if Lowry recently said it. He said if he gets traded, he's just going to come back and retire a Raptor. So, I mean, all all is well that ends well. Because I think he's the best Raptor of all time. Yeah. Uh, unless you want to throw Kawhi there. So, I mean, as long as he comes back for a year, like, you know, during the, in the NFL, like a one day contract to re- retire a Raptor, yeah. I think it's, it's up. And plus you're going to send it to either Miami or Philly. And I mean, Philly's a contender. Like you said, he was from there always repping the Eagles and then Miami, I mean, go play with Jimmy Butler. I mean, it, he wouldn't be upset about being traded. So um, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, Grizzlies beat the Celtics as Tatum and Kemba took the day off. Uh, 132, 125. This one went to OT, and the Grizz seemed to step up, just be a step ahead the whole time. Uh, Jaw had 29-9. and uh, What did you see from this one? Uh, kind of a quickie here, but it did go to OT, but no Tatum or Kemba, so not a whole lot of stock here. Yeah, I mean, Celtics were, you know, I, w- without two of your better guards, I mean, you can't really blame them on losing this game. Memphis is a pretty decent team, so I don't think – you know, you said before the pod, Ainge might hit the panic button next game. I don't think this is the one you you hit it on. And yeah, if anything that we've seen in this game that went bad for the Celtics, we've seen the whole year in terms of just where their inconsistencies and flaws are. So there's not much to dwell on this game, especially without Tatum. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I saw some positives here for Boston. I mean, Jeff T, who I've been kind of hard on just because, well, pause, hard on, uh, who I've kind of, you know, thought about being like, he's not going to be their backup one guard, uh, 26 points, 10 for 12. Um, very, very solid game here. Uh, and then Marcus smart, who for some reason on the trade block, uh, he had the, uh, game tying assist to Daniel Theis. He's just, they're, they're beating hard. I don't know why they're thinking about trading him. Uh, we'll get but, to that. I mean, they got, they got a lot of contributions here to be in this game without Tatum. Uh, yeah. we know we're a Kemba hating podcast, but also your point guard. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it feels like the pieces are there. Like they're just missing like, like a drum or something. So I hope, I hope they don't hit the panic button. Uh, we'll talk about that during a halftime segment of with all these trade rumors. Yeah. But yeah, as far yeah. as this game goes, I, I feel like it was a pretty solid game for Boston. I mean, uh, they held down Shunas to, well, 16 points, 19 boards. Uh, so not really holding him there, but that's where they struggle all season. So, uh, 
final game of the night and probably the best game. Uh, Clippers got a great win as they came back from down 22 and beat the Hawks 119-110. Uh, both teams relatively healthy, which is why we got such a good game, I would assume. Uh, Kawhi and Trey led the teams in scoring. What did you see here? Uh, pretty good game here. Saw a pretty interesting move. So, like, midway through the third, they were getting pretty beat, like, handedly. It was 22, whatever the largest lead was. Tyloo pulls all of the starters. And I actually like that because it's more of like a like a wild like a last chance throw in because you know the whole bench and reserves come in and, and the Hawks are like what like what and you know yeah. it just it threw them off and then you know they come roaring back and score thirty seven in the fourth <clears throat> hold the Hawks to twenty and a very very good sign as well Luke Kennard I believe didn't miss a shot here your Let guy your guy Luke Kennard not my guy did not uh, did not miss a shot eight for eight four for four for three. Yeah, and they really need to get whatever they can out of him. They gave him 16 mil just to collect dust and DNPs. So I know his defense is a little bit shaky, but I mean, he can definitely be another option for them when their offense gets stagnant late game. He doesn't really put much pressure on the rim, but just another guy that can create is something you kind of need. He can play the point a bit if you ask him to, but he's not like the veterans, like the George Hills and the D roses that we've said they've needed to have, but it's a good sign. Nonetheless, it, it could spark something too in the future. Cause they've been struggling. So we'll see, but good, good win for the clips overall, giving them praise for once. <laughs> yeah, you hit everything. I want to uh, hit on us. So I'll say this. Uh, you're mentioning the largest lead Lynn led 88 to 66 late in the third. Oh, yeah, and then from that, uh, the clips finished it off with a 53 to 22 run. <laughs> So that's what the Clippers are capable of. That's why they are contenders, no matter what happens. Uh, it just those those little things about needing a poker and stuff is just take them over the hump. But yeah, uh, good game from the Clippers there. Yep. I'm uh, moving on to Tuesday, March 23rd. Uh, Nuggets beat the Magic 110.99. Uh, Nick smacked the Wizards rounds uh, due to a great Julius Randle game. Uh, Lakers follow the Pelicans 128.111. Now 0-2 since LeBron injury. Uh, Sixers beat the Warriors 108.98. I know Steph, no Embiid kind of cancels out, but not really because the Sixers have only lost one game without him, and it was an overtime game to the Bucs. Hmm. MVP, they said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> MVP supporting cast. Uh, sure, but yeah. uh, only two real games to focus on here. Uh, I believe that Suns Heat was your look ahead, correct? Yes, sir. So the Suns beat the Heat 110-100 in a game. It wasn't as close as the score would suggest. Uh, Booker had 23 in small minutes because the blow and CP had nine assists. Let's take this one. It's your look ahead. So, yeah, I mean, I looked at more of, you know, two very good defenses, which it was a sort of lower scoring game. I mean, 110 isn't a crazy output, but it's for for this standards and this era, it's a bit lower. But just overall, the Suns are a really, really completely, you know, built for the playoffs type of team. They have they check kind of all those boxes you want in a playoff team. And just looking down their roster, they have a all switchable, you know, uh, closing time rotation. And then. Just another guy that they acquired from a trade, Torrey Craig, who's 3 and D. He's a late-time guy that you want closing down the stretch. He had 10 points in this, and they got him for free from the Bucks, which was mm-hmm. – Cash considerations. Confusing move to me, but, yeah, you Crowder and Bridges are incredible wing defenders. Chris Paul is – you know, he gets it done in the playoffs, too, besides that wacky game seven last year. We won't talk about that. <laughs> D-Book is a – you know, all around shooting guy, all around scoring guard. Aiton is a monster defensively too. I mean, they just they they look legit. They look like a contender in the in the West for sure. Yeah, I mean, are are they the one middle team? 
like because there's the LA teams in the in the West, um, and then there's the second tier of like Nuggets, Jazz, Blazers. Are they in between those two teams, or do you put them specifically in a tier there? I might put them right behind the LA teams, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's where I kind of have them. I mean, and looking <laughs> I'm, good. This might be a hot take, but I would have them ahead of the Jazz, honestly. Like I said, they you need to. They they just check the boxes of what you want in a playoff team. So, and I it's it's not against Rudy Gobert for once. It's not. It's all about CP. Chris Paul. I mean, he he's also making an MVP case right now just because of how how good he's been. And then also just like they play defense and like good good Phoenix teams are only known for their offense. You know the Barkley teams, the Nash teams, but like they they lock down and they made a team yeah. that had a healthy Jimmy Butler look helpless. Um, I mean, Jimmy but, only had what 14 points, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I guess we'll go to the Heat here to finish it off. Was this Tyler Hero's last game as a member of the Miami Heat? I they just they they used I, I feel like they kind of pushed him into a, a too big of a role early because he was incredible in the playoffs, right? But that could have just been you know one series, one just it was also the bubble. I'm not going to be like oh, fraudulent performances, but I just feel like <laughs> they put too much pressure on him coming into this season mm-hmm. and I just feel like for a second year guy and I know if you're legit you're gonna want more minutes but I feel like he's just been used too incorrectly I don't know he's just been completely struggling if there's a deal out there I think he's in it I mean you have the you have the pieces to contend now if you're gonna hold back just him mm. which they could have already done for Harden I don't know it, there, I refuse to believe because then I won't be able to sleep at night that <laughs> the, the one reason they don't have James Harden is because of Tyler Hero. Like, I I know that was a report, like, if my memory serves me correct, that they had a, there was a deal sort of in place with all those picks, and then they're like, we can't give up Tyler Hero. But I, we're not going to dwell on that. No way. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, last game of the night and last game of the recap, uh, best game of the night. Uh, Ness beat the Blazers 116-112. No Kyrie and no KD, but no problem as Harden had 25 and 17. And Uncle JG had a crisp 20. Ooh. Uh, Cantor had 19 and 19 for the Blazers, but no dice. Uh, what did you see from this one, George? Wrap us up. Brooklyn's uh, crunch time defense holding the Dame time. It's a theme. It's a theme every podcast. 21 points from Portland, which in the fourth is insane because Dame usually puts up alone 20 points in the fourth. They they have the theme because it's uh you know D'Antoni's on the coaching stuff they switch everything which D'Antoni has done and you know he did it in Houston and he's doing it again now so that just disrupted Portland but something else I've taken away they have a stud in Nick Claxton he switched out onto Dame with like forty seconds left shut his water off they just they traded Jared Allen they were like we we got another one <laughs> I'm like what it's Playboy Cardi he's just sitting there I'm like <laughs> he didn't get a single minute. And then they, they, they're like, we need you. And I'll, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to put this out there. Like, they don't need Drummond. They don't. They don't. Like, I honestly, like, they need to give these minutes to Nick Claxton because he's, one, a better, better switch. He's way more switchable on, on their defense. And two, exactly. Drummond has not contributed to winning basketball ever. He hasn't. Like, they need to keep these young guys, like, breed Nick Claxton to be the, when, like, they finally can't pay, can't keep DeAndre Jordan because he, he's just not good enough anymore. Like, Keep giving Nick Claxton these minutes. They don't need they don't need Drummond. They really don't. Uh, in twenty two minutes from Claxton, that's mm-hmm. literally all you can ask. What Drummond's mm-hmm. going to get you four more rebounds, but at that point, you might. And as then, well- like you said, the defense. It, it 
if they're going to switch everything, you can't sign Drummond. You can't. If you're going to switch everything, the Blake Griffin signing gets even better. But you cannot get Drummond, Drummond on the perimeter equals instant shot. We would have seen Dame time if they had Drummond oh, yeah. this game. Oh yeah, they so, would not win this game if they had Drummond. So yeah, it's just. I mean, if they sustain this level of defense, it's scary hours. Scary yeah. hours. It really is. Uh, happy birthday, Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, technically not anymore, but yes. Not yeah. Belated. Belated. Oh well, it is halftime. I forgot to give you the intro to halftime. Now. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's the recap. Uh, it's halftime time. Uh, even though he's working his way up the ranks here at the two and a half hoopers factory, uh, he's still the half hooper. Um, halftime for two reasons after the show. George the half hooper. Phil said on all this trade mayhem. Alrighty, everybody. Let's it is talking. our favorite NBA drama time of the year. Trade deadline season. So first and foremost, OG season. <laughs> our favorite, favorite GM, Danny Ainge, supposedly has made an offer. Marcus Smart, two firsts to the Magic for Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. This was reported by The Athletic. You know, that's basically who Shams works for, so it's pretty credible. What what I just want to ask you is, is this really going to be the move where Danny Ainge finally unloads assets for a guy named Aaron Gordon, but he didn't do it for the X amount of superstars that they've had on the table? And is this a, wink, wink, smart move? So I know I'm the Danny Ainge hater and I, I wanted to give him credit because I was like, he's going to make a move this deadline, but this is the worst one. Why are you have Jalen Brown and you have Jason Tatum as your three and four as your two and three, whatever the wings are set. And yet you're going to move Marcus smart. Who's your best defender and two picks. Finally, you want to trade two picks for Jimmy Butler. Wouldn't trade two picks for James Harden. Wouldn't trade two picks for anyone. And you're going to do it for Aaron Gordon, who's very injury prone, very streaky shooter, and he's not the big man they need. It's ridiculous. I, I, you can't make this up. The one time he, he's going to make a move, it's because he got bullied into it by social media. And because, oh my, like he doesn't, they don't fit. They don't fit at all. That, that, that's where I stand. There's really no point of him doing that. What, what are you going to have him at the five? That's just another undersized five, which you, you're just going to get blitzed and burned in the East. I'm still team thighs over at five over Aaron Gordon. <laughs> on, on at the five, yeah, because I think that's not Aaron Gordon's position. When he's playing next to Vooch, that's that's his best thing. A legitimate, you know, big five. If you play against the, God forbid, you play the Sixers. Oh the, no! And beat is putting up thirty and ten every single game. I, I just honestly, I'd love to see this happen because we finally would get Ainge to move picks for a guy who wasn't worth moving picks. And probably the, the literally their best defender holds up the core of that defense, Marcus Smart. He went they, out for They weeks. can't trade Marcus Smart. They he can't. went out for weeks and that defense suffered. He comes back, boom, he's back. He guards the other team's best player. He's the do-it-all guy on defense. That guy you cannot trade. You can you can give up picks. You can't trade him though for whatever you do. Like I, I just feel like he's overthinking it because I mean, their best moves are made. They're smaller moves. They're drawn on the bio market or they will mm-hmm. get a center like JaVale McGee or something very yeah. Cavs themed, but like, just get a big man because like, you're so set as far as like perimeter scoring, like Aaron Gordon's no scrub. I don't hate Aaron Gordon. I hate his fit on the Celtics. That's what I hate. And just the fact that, yeah, the first time he's going to move picks is going to be for Aaron Gordon. It's a panic move. And I just don't he's think they need to panic just- yet. Use the picks on a better, you know, bench rotation because their bench hasn't even been that good. Well, they, he doesn't know how to draft. He doesn't know how to draft. That too. They yeah. Anyways, we're not going to get into our 
Ainge rant hate here because we could be recording for two hours. So next up here, which we've discussed today, we've discussed on past pods. So I'm not going to, you know, dwell on it too much, but the Raptors have are increasingly discussing more Kyle Lowry trades also as well. Norman Powell, uh, their talks are expected to continue into Wednesday and even Thursday. Philly and Miami are the two biggest teams interested in Lowry. Um, so I know we've covered Lowry's move to either team, but for Norman Powell, do you have any destinations you could see him going to and what Miami would want back in return? Um, I, uh, the wraps in return. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, thankful uh, you covered us on Lowry, but we've talked enough about Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're just going to talk about Norman here. For Norm, I mean, he's kind of a acquired taste just because, I mean, you would feel like a team trading for him because he is an expi- expiring deal mm-hmm. would be a contender. Yeah. But like a lot of con- the contenders are kind of set on scoring wise. Um, only one that really kind of sticks out to me is Denver just because they, they got Will Barton back and he's been very solid for them. But they're still trying to replace that Gary Harris void. Um, and I think he could really slide in there. Um, I didn't think of them. Other than that, um, Spurs, uh, Spurs can maybe use him just for more dynamic scoring, but I think that might be sellers of the de- trade deadline. They have enough um, guards, man. Please don't put Norm yeah. there with like Lonnie um, Walker and DeJounte Murray. And, and then, yeah, really, besides that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of space for him. Maybe Dallas, they want to get their wing rotation a, more, a little bit more in depth because I know Josh hates Darian Finney Smith. But like, I. I don't think there's a lot of teams that like, unless they're, you know, doing it like a, or they're trying to, you know, get him in the culture, then resign him because he is a good yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, besides that, I just don't see a real spot he really fits into as far as what they're looking for. I think Lowry's the much more tradable piece. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's obvious suitors. From what I've been, you know, looking at the past few days while I was doing the seg- getting the segment ready. So Philly is also, Philly's just invested in a lot of like other combo guards. What is what I've seen. I've heard the Warriors too, and I know they've been linked to other guys who can. I was looking at him, yeah. You know, but Norman isn't a guy you want to like be leading an offense in terms of like the guard, like the point guard. But in terms of score, more scoring for the Warriors, it's perfect. But for for what assets they have, I don't think they want to go get Norm because if you're going to give up a pick, it's probably going to have to be the mini one, and that's mm-hmm. not what they want to do for him, especially. Yeah. So. Uh- they probably yeah, still have their first rounder, though. Add the actual Warriors one, but I don't even know if they want to trade that one. Like, no, if they they're, have getting, those, they're getting playback. If they have those year, two, so. yeah, and they they should go for like a Beal if they got those two picks, and you can throw you know, yeah, whoever else at them. <laughs> well, that'd be fun. So small, smaller Woj bomb yesterday. Clippers traded. Mifondu Cavalli. <laughs> I definitely butchered that. I am sorry. Uh, a future second of the show <laughs> and the almighty <laughs> cash considerations to the Sacramento Queens just for a second round pickback. But the biggest thing here, they cleared space 2.6 under the hard cap and also got an extra roster spot, which is important because Clippers were active in the buyout and trade market last season. And we're expecting them to do the same this year as they are finally trying to push to get to the Western conference finals. So where do you expect them to improve in trade buyout, whatever? Uh, just re- when this happened, I was like, 
who and you were you were you being ironic about liking him as a big man for them or is he actually pretty like did you actually yeah, I, kinda... just, I, just, I just i just you know because i I, t- yeah, I texted it to the group chat with jake i'm like and I, he's talked about him before he kind of liked him i'm like oh that guy was kind of cool but i didn't know much about him but yeah and then i said oh they freed up cap and mm-hmm. space for another guy Because yeah in in that sense like you said they were a big pl- marcus morris was a was probably him and his brother were probably the best uh move yep. to the trade tra- the trade deadline mm-hmm. so uh well, no, they traded for Marcus Morris, but they um, the first of the Knicks, yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as that, I mean, great move there. Uh, mm-hmm. two spots is a lot because I mean, what what if Andre Drummond goes to you and like, please let me sign with you? Like, you're not gonna tell him no just because that takes away like from him signing with an actual other contender. So, I mean, it's just those spots are very valuable. Uh, 2.6 million, you know, money moves. Uh, that basically th- just gets you enough money mm-hmm. to sign people on min- minimums, yeah, so that's very minimum, very small move, but I mean, hey. Good for him. Chestnut checkers, as we call it. So last topic here in this lengthy, lengthy trade deadline one. I'm sure we'll have even more Thursday after the Thursday show is going to be trade deadline themed. Y'all get tuned in. Hell yeah. So uh, the Ro- we basically have news from the Rockets because I guess they're going to sell on Depot, even though they just got him. There's strong confidence they're going to make a move by Thursday uh, from Woj. So they're increasingly comfortable with the offers on the marketplace for Oladipo, which include young players and first round pick combinations that the franchise believes are suitable returns. Basically my thinking here is, is this, is this really real or is this a smokescreen? Cause I feel like if they had those offers, young pick, young player in a first, he'd be gone. <laughs> I th- yeah. They take that for Depot. So do you think they actually have it? And if they do from who, or like I said, classic smokescreen from the Rockets front office. I feel like it might kind of be a smokescreen just because the one team he's been linked to is the Heat, and they're yeah. preoccupied one with Lowry, and two Lowry's better than Oladipo. They're not giving up Hero for him either. So no, I mean, no. is it Duncan Robinson the first for Victor Oladipo? I don't even know who wins that trade. It seems he like a trade doesn't need to happen. They they have the cap and they've been connected to Depot yeah. from even before he got moved to Houston. So, so Depot might be if he does go to the Heat. It'd be a last-minute thing, uh, which I don't think it'd be for the price they're describing, but it'd be like Lowry gets traded to the Sixers because they have a better offer and then for, it's us like for the a, deadline, and, and Pat Riley's dialing his phone like, like oh, shit, we got to like make terrified. a Terrified, oh, no, yeah. we got to call up uh-huh. not Daryl Morey, the new Rockets GM, and get Victor Oladipo because we got to do something to shake this up. Yeah, uh, no, I – And then also Dallas. He's been linked there. I don't know what kind of uh, deal they would get there. Um, I don't know what kind of young players they're offering. Maybe Brunson. Uh, but I, I, I believe I'm getting moved. Yes. But the, the first round picks and young player combinations for half a year of a hobbled Victor Oladipo, not buying it. He would, he would be on his there. team by now. I agree with you. I, yeah. I have no idea where he's going to move. I think his, I don't think they have much leverage. I think this is their attempt at getting more leverage. I don't think they have any at all. I don't think really any they win a game and they start bite. feeling crazy. <laughs> I don't think any team's going to bite unless like you said, Larry goes to the sixes and the heat are like, well, you know, dunk it in a first. There you go. Off. Yeah. And who wins done. that trade? Honestly. I think, I think Depot in a winning sense, like in, he fits perfectly the heat culture. If he's not washed, you know, if he's, he's been in his last eight games, he's been like 25, five and five on like, mm-hmm. you know, good shooting splits. I, I would, I'd probably say Miami, if they can especially get him extended, that would probably be a win for them. It's the, it's definitely yeah. the extension. That, that you like would, the, the Oladipo Jimmy Butler combo right there? Especially uh, with, no, the if they keep not, like a Nun, Depot, Jimmy, uh, and then Bam. Drogic. I wish, 
I wish they still had one of Derek Jones Jr. or Jay Crowder at the four. That would be the perfect lineup for them. But, but yeah, that, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's it for this. We're definitely going to have more Thursday. I hope we get a Shams bump like tomorrow. I want to wake up to one. But yeah, that's all for now. So we're going to move into more drama because how, how much more drama can the NBA have? It's Warriors team. But of course, thank you, George, for the halftime. It, it, it's just awesome having you here. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to tear up. Uh, but uh, first off, so both these are Warriors team. Uh, and it's just more news. I'm kind of taking a page of George's book. It's almost like a halftime, but I wanted to cover this myself because I find it kind of fun. Uh, ah. First one's not as juicy as the second. Uh, but Steve Kerr dropped a quote in an interview that boiled down to him, uh, essentially saying he enjoyed coaching the 15 and 50 Warriors team last year, mm-hmm. more than coaching the Warriors and KDs last year, the year they were playing for a three-peat and made the finals. Uh, so Katie then responded on Twitter saying that he thought it was hilarious because he doesn't know how to switch his burner account anymore. So good for good for Katie. Just get Katie bold now, uh, like we said in the intro. But uh, can you make sense of this for me? Because I'm kind of having trouble wrapping around my head. So, yeah, I was able to actually listen to the pregame presser like all the coaches have and someone asked and Steve Kerr actually cleared it up. And I I kind of side with him here, honestly. I don't know what you think, but. He said that was just taken out of context and that what he actually meant was there was just immense pressure on that run, trying to three-peat, you know, being what the first one to do it since Shaq and Kobe. And then, you know, KD goes down, Clay goes down, and then Boogie is hurt all of the playoffs. And you're, you know, you're trying, you got Alfonso McKinney and Quinn Cook playing closing minutes in the finals. I mean, that's, that's horrible. You're watching them go against the finals MVP in Kawhi. So what he meant was just there was a lot less pressure. He was a lot more relieved. It was easier. It was more calm. He didn't say it was more enjoyable because you're barely winning games out there. And he said, nobody likes losing games like that. It was just more, it was nicer to see the young guys develop what they could do and just stuff like that. It was a lot less pressure on him. So he, it definitely wasn't more enjoyable. Nobody likes losing like that, especially a guy like Steve Greer who played with Michael Jordan, you know, so definitely just a lot less pressure uh, relieved in that season. When you put it that way and you did your homework, watch the whole presser, it does make sense. Um, I mean, as far as the pressure standpoint, and like mm-hmm. you said, I guess he, he was like upset, I guess, that like the for them twisting his words, or did he just misword it himself at first? No, it was because it was on a pod. Nobody, I don't, I didn't see the pod. I didn't listen to it. I'm sure nobody else did too. And then they see this cryptic quote and it's like, oh, he hates KD. So, <laughs> and no, then there think, also is all that you know that you had the Draymond blow up as far and, and their last year together. Uh, yeah. so I mean, it, it definitely was stressful, and then it just added the fire of like, oh, Steve doesn't like him either. Well, we'll run with, we'll run with this. So, yeah. uh, thanks for breaking that down for us. But the one I kind of want to focus on a little more because mm-hmm. it, 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 there's some Twitter fingers going on here. Uh, Draymond and Tony Allen have been beefing on Twitter. Uh, and I'll, I'll read it to you guys out here. So it all started on the Dubstock podcast. Uh, Draymond either joined, called it, did something, but we got from the Dubstock podcast. Uh, Draymond, quote, I think I'm the best defender to ever play this game, end quote. Pretty simple. Um, and then Tony Allen on Twitter responded to that saying, uh, big cap emoji, uh, who stamped you, who you, who you clamp. Uh, in the words of Jay-Z, we don't believe you. You need more people. So pretty good response there from the grandfather, first team all defense. Because uh, he does have respect in the NBA. Kobe dubbed him the hardest defenders I ever played against. So, I mean, that's where he's kind of coming for him as far as who stamped you. Because Kobe Bryant stamped him. And then Draymond, in true Draymond fashion, uh, Clive Ackerty saw too, uh, 
I was waiting for you to stamp me, big homie, but your stamp books started to run low in 2015 when we used you against your team on our way to our first championship. And Draymond, making a lot of sense here, uh, but is bringing offense into a defensive argument. Uh, because as you know, in 2015, when they played the Grizzlies, they just said, let Tony Allen shoot. <laughs> and they played 45 on defense and it worked swimmingly. Uh, but I want to get from you, who do you think won this argument uh, as far as that? I just want to say it's funny that Draymond uses that because, I mean, nobody guards him when he's standing at the three-point line this year. Tony actually, Tony Allen actually had another re- rebuttal. He said, that's you this year, hashtag call Clay. So I thought that was absolutely – that was hilarious. Whoever so, gets the last word is always the winner. And that, that was it. Draymond never said anything else. So I like – I, you know, it, it's fun to see, you know, NBA players past present beef. I'm not really going to be like, oh, there was a certain winner because I liked both of the tweets they both had. But <laughs> I just think it's funny where Draymond's coming from. First off, you bring it up offense and a defense one. The same thing happens to you now. And then, you know, there's nothing wrong with him saying he thinks he's the best defender because he's one of the best ever, you know, mm. and there's nothing wrong with having that confidence. And uh, yeah, like you said, Katie and Kobe both stamped Tony Allen. And I think when you say that, you're up there in the, you know, on the grand scheme of defenders of all time. So do you think uh, it, what do you put more weight into as far as like uh, just any debate really? Cause you know, Tony Allen specifically said he got stamped because he yeah. has those stamps, uh-huh. but Draymond won a defense player of the year. So I know. I, so, I mean, in, in that sense, it's like, well, the league stamped him, <laughs> but so what, what do you put more weight into as far as like, cause that's a pretty broad term as far as like just any debate, like, Cause they're always like, Oh, Kobe top three. And everyone's like, no, he's like top seven or so, but like every player is like Kobe top three. So like, where, where do you put more weight into the players stamping them or, you know, actual accolades in the media? I I'm always more of like a player's person and just Kobe and Katie are two of the greatest scores ever. And arguably either of them could be the greatest. And when they say Tony Allen gave me the most fits on defense, my hardest matchup ever, I take more weight into that than the, you know, for Depoy, those media voters who might get Rudy Gobert his third, which would be more than Tim Duncan. Yeah. One less than, you know, oh God, Ben Wallace. There you go. I couldn't think of him. So I go with the player more and I actually got into some Twitter, Twitter debates with that. (laughs) I just said like Kobe and Katie said it like none of us have a better opinion than those two, which I mean, I, I don't know. It's, you know, everything's opinion based on there. So I go with the player side more. Yeah, I kind of lean towards player side too as well. Uh, but like you said, I have no problem with Draymond having that that exactly. confidence. Exactly. And I feel like Tony Allen kind of out of pocket attacking him like that because, like, I think half the players that have ever like made second team all defense, like, I'm the best of all time. I think Pat Bev wanted a word with him too, and I was like, as long as there's no like actual beef, you're like Pat Bev can think he's the best. Like, you should think you're the best when you hang your hat on the defensive end. Yeah, and, and Draymond, Draymond, Draymond also is probably top three defensive IQ all time. Like, he's nice with that. He's one of the most versatile defenders ever, especially with his size. He can guard one through five, switch everything. I mean, those series against Portland, I think it was, what, like 2017, 2018? I mean, he was, like, shutting everybody's water yeah. off. Like, he it, he is probably, <laughs> top, you know, top ten. He is one of the best ever. So we're not saying one's a scrub and one isn't. They're both put on a pedestal of, you know, greatest defenders ever. You know I got to do it though. Like who, who's a better defender? <laughs> I mean, like, am I saying get me a stop one on one? I'm saying who's a better defender. It's yeah, it's different. It's I'm saying per- who's a better defender. Perimeter is Tony Allen all around, like defensive acre. I'm taking Draymond. So, but who's who's better defender? 
This is the last time I'm asking you. So if you want to keep copping out, you can keep copping out. I'm going to cop out. I'm not going to say. You're going to cop out? All right. Look ahead time. You, you remember it? You remember to look ahead? Uh, yeah, I actually did. Thank you for remember reminding me. Look ahead. Thank God. Um, all right. I'll start then. Uh, yeah. Celtics Bucks uh, Wednesday. I think this is the day before the trade deadline. I think Bucks are going to blow them out, even if Giannis isn't playing. Uh, and I'm I'm excited for this just because they're going to both the Celtics, and this is when Danny is going to pull the trigger. He's going to look at his his board, his big board of players he's going to trade for. He's going to go, I'm going to get all of them. He's going to retool the whole roster for no reason. Uh, so that's why I kind of like that. Or maybe Tatum comes back, they beat the Bucks, and maybe Danny's like, hey, let's take let's take a step back, let's evaluate what we got. We just beat the Bucks. They had Giannis. So I, I maybe not for the game, but the repercussions that'll come from this game as far as Celtics standpoint. Um, also seeing PJ Tucker uh, and Drew Holiday just get more minutes under their belt for the Bucks. You're looking yeah. at it, sir. So mine, uh, battle of the well, Brooklyn isn't the top seed, but battle of the two of the top seeds in the league overall. Nets Jazz. Now we're not gonna have KD nor Kyrie, but I mean Harden has still won games against top teams just by himself. He's an MVP candidate for sure. Just want to see how the Jazz shoot and defend him, and hopefully, hopefully. Harden puts Gobert in the torture cell on drop coverage. I want to see them do pick and roll. Hopefully they attack. If, if, you know, if Gobert's getting tantalized, I'm going to have a field day. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to see from that game. I think this is actually a Gobert game. I I, I think we're going to see it because if the Nets win this one again with the underdoor and Nick Claxton, it really does mean that I'm not just talking, talking out of, out of the side of my mouth, just saying oh, the, blueprint, the blueprints out there for Rudy Gobert. But like it's legit if this if, happens. If they win with the underdoor Nick Claxton, no KD, no Kyrie, Tyler Johnson, another 20 bomb. I mean, who this jazz team is the 15, 16, Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> uh, but bold statement there. Uh, but that's that's it for this podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks for listening or watching. Uh remember follow us at on Twitter and Instagram at TH Hoopers, uh, all that fun stuff. And uh, you'll get a response because George never could without his phone. Yes, uh, sir. So that's that, though. Thanks for being an OG, and uh, take care, guys. Peace. Yay!